720 WGN. Happy 4th of July. High atop Chicago Skyline Studio. It is Dane in for Bob Surratt today. And uh, we are going to have a fun 4th of July for you. We're going to talk a little bit of fast. We're going to break down, rehash, give your thoughts on, uh, you know, with all of that lead up for that NASCAR Street weekend. We are going to talk a little bit about whether it was a huge uh, you know, I think if people were expecting to see concerts and festivals and all that kind of stuff because of the rain, nobody's fault there. Some of that stuff didn't happen. You know, as many people, tens of thousands that were here to see it live in the streets of Chicago, there were millions watching all across the country. And and uh, and kind of the consensus is that it was an entertaining racing product that is entertaining TV product. And we've heard from our newsroom too, that it was the second highest rated NASCAR race from a visual standpoint. So people were interested, people watched, people checked it out and everything I've heard so far has been pretty positive. Your thoughts, 312-981-7200. You can add that today as well. We're also going to talk, Hey, you know what? It's been summer for a little while, but the kids don't get out of school until like mid June now. And, And people, I think, you know, are starting to contemplate. This is the time when you're going to have that clear space to do that summer vacation. We'll talk great summer road trips, vacations, your thoughts, your suggestions, where to go, what to do, what are some of those places either to get on a plane and get really far away or get in that car and do that family road trip for those local, not so local, right, but within a driving destination. And uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Some great guests are coming up on. We are going to have uh, Emmett Smith. So, okay, Emmett Smith, you know, he is uh, the all-time leading rusher for the Dallas Cowboys. And also he was one dancing with the stars and he's uh, one of the NASCAR team owners. And he was in town with us talking a little bit about Chicago, a little bit about football. And of course that racing side, he's one of the team owners, as I mentioned for the Xfinity series with Jesse Awuji. So we'll talk with him a little bit when it comes to 4th of July, it's the grill backyards, all of that stuff and so we're going to talk a little bit of barbecue with uh, famous dave anderson is going to join us the one and only famous dave he is a chicago guy he's up in hayward wisconsin planning his uh his family vacation up there in hayward they do a ton of stuff and so he'll be joining us talking about not only what he's doing today on the fourth of july but also what he is bringing to addison coming up on july 8th they're going to have a porking lot party I, you know, I said it, right? So they're going to have, I think it's free pulled pork sandwiches, free ribs. It is going to have dollar drafts. El Bandito Yankee Tequila will be there in full effect, and there'll be a barbecue competition with some pretty high stakes. So Famous Dave will join us as well a little bit later on in the program. Sunny Anderson, you know her from the kitchen, that huge Food Network hit, and she is going to join us to talk a little bit about uh, her 4th of July and also promoting the brand new show that's coming up next week on food network barbecue brawl with bobby flay and others excited always great to talk to sunny dave hammond when so I, dave hammond is a guy that i've known for a very long time and he is a long time uh, writer and personality typically on the food side he does a bunch of different things and uh, he's written that book uh, made in chicago it is a huge hit where people are excited about all those indigenous delicacies for chicago foods whether it's shrimp dijon whether it's the Italian beef, whether it's Malort, you know, some things better than others, all things associated with Chicago. So he will be joining us a little bit later on in the program as well. And Jim Bob Morris, 
the head bandito for El Bandito Yankee, talking about not only the race weekend where El Bandito was a, a big part of, but also some really cool things happening coming up uh, with festivals and country music. I know Country Thunder is coming up, and we'll have some opportunities for listeners to get in on that. And then also Windy City Smoke Out that brings the barbecue side along with some of those top people in uh, in country music and uh, we'll have some opportunities i gotta describe it a little bit later for listeners to get in on and possibly get an opportunity to see and experience that as well your thoughts coming up on this fourth of july 312-981-7200 your favorite summer vacation go back through the memory banks and think about this this is the time when people reminisce about uh, just summer maybe as a kid or places that you went and all that so b- favorite summer vacations not only to share with the listeners we'd love to hear it but also some suggestions right that people can say all right that sounds good maybe we'll do that and then also what are you making what are you going to be cooking today it's early enough oftentimes i'll do fourth of july sometimes it's later in the day and that menu is set this time you can kind of share what it is you're planning to make, whether it's the hot dogs, whether it's the hamburgers, whether you're going to be a little more ambitious and uh, and try to do something a little more complicated, maybe a little more delicious. Or if you've got a signature family dish that uh, everybody flocks to your house on the 4th of July, we'll talk fireworks. 720 WGN, you always look forward to Dave's far-flung forecast where he talks about not only... Yeah, I guess he talks a little bit of the weather, but he also talks about great places to go and great places he's been or things you should know about him. So, Dave, let's talk about it. I think this is one of those days, 4th of July, where people get an opportunity to kind of, I don't want to say sit around, but relax, kind of commiserate with people and think about, you know, contemplate what they should do during their summer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we are now fully fledged, uh, full into the summer now with a 90 degree heat today and humidity. Um, you know, the, the the options and the opportunities for travel are limitless. Uh, you know, you can fly, you can drive. I've done a little of both this year and will continue to do so. I'm going to do a road trip here at the end of the month up to northern Michigan. Uh, but if you want to stay close to home, many, many destinations right here in the Midwest. Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, uh, south into Kentucky, southern Illinois, some great places to visit. And taking in some history things as well, uh, Dane, you mentioned uh, far-flung forecast. Yes. We can go to Kaskaskia, Illinois this morning. That's- Population 14. <laughs> Wait a minute. So now think about this. So let's say, and for the listeners out there, let's say you were the Visitor and Tourism Bureau for Cas... What is it? Cascadia? Cascaskia. Cascaskia. K-A-S-K-A-S-K-I-A. And you're, you're like, okay. And maybe you have a promotion. Let's say they're sitting around a conference table, a pretty small one, in, in that city, and they're thinking, like, what should we do? Like, how do we get people to come here, not only for the great tourism, but maybe to be resident number 15? And, <laughs> and, and so maybe you have a sweepstakes where you have, maybe everybody gets together, builds them like a house or something, and says, let's get to 15, and you just sort of kind of recruit... Uh, you know, recruit some people. Well, there there are some interesting things uh, f- about Kaskaskia. First of all, it was the first capital of the state of Illinois. We've had two capitals before Springfield in this state. Wait a minute. So maybe that Visitor Tourism Bureau was really, really effective. Way back oh, I'm day. not done yet. I'm not done yet. There's more. Uh, it was the first capital of the state of Illinois just for a few years. Then it was moved to Vandalia, Illinois. And uh, finally moved in the around the 1840s or so uh, to Springfield. And there was a young up-and-coming lawyer named Abraham Lincoln that had something to do with that. But anyway, Kaskaskia is uh, population 14. It actually is 
on the western side of the Mississippi River. Unusual for anything, and we think of the state of Illinois, the western border is the Mississippi, of course, with Iowa and Missouri and and so forth. But there was an earthquake that was so uh, dramatic in the early 19th century, it actually changed the course of the Mississippi River and <laughs> oh, moved no. Kaskaskia, as it's now an island, uh, uh, west of what is the uh, flow of the Mississippi River. But there's even more to Kaskaskia, because on July 4th of 1778, General George Rogers Clark was able to uh, take this territory, which it was at the time, from the British. So it was part of really a Revolutionary War battle down there without firing a shot. And it was uh, taken from the British, claiming it for uh, the United States. And there was a bell that had been given to the area from uh, France, uh, the church bell, which was rung. And that bell is now on display in Kaskaskia, referred to as the Liberty Bell of the West. Wow. So they, they have a lot to work with. You've oh, got yeah. this great history. You've got the fact that it's an island paradise. Illinois doesn't have too many of <laughs> Very those. Very small. And then, right. and then you've got that, that pedigree with the Revolutionary War, and you've got an actual legitimate artifact. Yes. Right? And yep. we all know you know those are tourist attractions. I don't know. We should uh, do a think tank. 312-981-7200. There are some other, there are some other things close by there that remnants of old french forts uh things of that nature that uh, go back to before there was an illinois before there was a united states so you know you want to talk fourth of july history we think of philadelphia we think of the you know the mid-atlantic states and that sort of thing where much of the revolutionary battles took place but we've got some revolutionary fourth of july history right here you know what dave you think about it. obviously based here in chicago one of the great cities in the world in the middle of the midwest you know crossroads and all of that kind of stuff and but are you familiar with and i know we've had the commercial spots here and i've done some stuff with them over the last couple of years on the on the racing end is the illinois tourism bureau and jane lynch you know famous super sure. funny oh, person sure. yeah and they're doing everything they can to highlight the the rest of illinois and all the things that illinois has to offer because as great as chicago is and everything it has to offer it kind of overshadows at least in a public relations way a lot of the other things going on not only that and just to get a view an idea of just how big illinois is you know it's something like 400 miles uh to the southern tip down to cairo not cairo but cairo illinois uh that's along the ohio river and there's another small town along the ohio river on the very southern border of the state called metropolis <laughs> uh, that uh, at, uh, during the uh, Lewis and Clark expedition in 1804, Metropolis, what is now uh, Metropolis, uh, was a stopping point uh, before they went up to and out on the uh, Missouri River. Uh, the Lewis and Clark expedition stopped there at what was called Fort Massac, and there's a wonderful state park there. Uh, that you can visit, and they've recreated the fort. It's really, really cool to see. I've driven past Metropolis. Have you? Yeah. yeah. Well, they're Did right. Did you on... see the statue of Superman there? I, too? I mean, I see, so this is a case in point for those marketing folks out there that want to maybe Kaskaskia. They could say like, "Hey, maybe we just you know get some alignment with a Marvel character or a DC Universe character because they're really gripping that whole. Um, you know, I think any town. I think that was why it was named for that. You know, in the Superman comics, because any town could be Metropolis. Right? Oh, sure. It just means uh, 
a, a city, but they've really connected with that Superman side of it. Have, yeah. have you been there, Dave? Do they have sort of a Superman maybe gift shop or a museum well, they, or something? They've got a they've got the statue there, and uh, you know some things that relate to Superman uh, in Metropolis. Uh, frankly, when I was there in eighteen four, we when I was working for Illinois Radio Network, we did a continuing series on that two hundredth anniversary of the Lewis and Clark stuff, and I was there for that pretty much focusing on that uh but i did see the uh, the statue and also in downstate chester illinois that's the home of the person who created popeye so there's a Popeye festival there. <laughs> you know, of course, the spinach folks are big sponsors. The, the big spinach lobby is uh, is always putting Popeye to work for them, right? Because it yeah. gives you incredible strength. And then, of course, anywhere you go in Illinois, there's some something related to Abraham Lincoln. And when you go through central Illinois, it's referred to as the Lincoln Heritage Area. Uh, from east to west, actually. So it's it's just amazing. And and I spent some time in western Illinois doing a story on um, what uh, a town was called New Philadelphia. I spent some time there doing a story on that in February, uh, about 20 miles east of Hannibal, Missouri. And the reason that's important is that it was the first community in the United States that was founded by a freed slave. Wow. 25 years before the Civil War, he bought his freedom and moved to Illinois, which was a free state. His name was Free Frank, later Free <laughs> Frank McWhorter. And I interviewed his great-great-granddaughter and wow. his great-great-grandson there. What the reason I was there was because that area is now part of the National Park Service, and they're going to do a, a you know a, a much needed um, presentation there as to what the uh, village was all about. Fascinating history, amazing stuff, and great to have that highlighted. And of course, uh, associated with uh, Illinois here, absolutely. And uh, a lot of people as they make their way to destinations near and far, and some far and flung in Illinois. And so many people came to Chicago. Oh, I should well, give the temperature in Kaskaskia. It's oh, yeah, cloudy and seventy-one. Oh, that's what I was going to say because it's <laughs> beautiful this time of year. Yeah. You know, with the breezes off of the the repositioned Mississippi River, right? So they, they yes. had, a, a lot of people made their way to Chicago for the nascar chicago street race and so when we come back uh from this break it would be great andy mazer i see him there we can get his thoughts just in general from a sports perspective as a town that does have nascar history 50 years ago maybe even more people were racing on uh at soldier field and of course santa fe speedway but that sort of reacquaintance with nascar in a big way for the street race and just what people think it is now racing part of the sports lexicon of chicago is it is this one of those things a lot of people even on the nascar side even on the city side have said like maybe this could be just a one-off if it was you know not a big success and of course the rain uh factored into all of that so hopefully we'll get a chance to talk with andy and of course dave's thoughts on all that and much more as we come back 312-981-7200 your thoughts on what are you doing for fourth of july what was your favorite uh you know summer vacation that you took so keep it here it's dane on fourth of july 720 wgn Studio. It is the 4th of July, and it is a beautiful day for a weekend that had a lot of rain, some gloom, a little bit of doom, right? If you were planning on seeing the Chainsmokers or Miranda Lambert out at uh, 
the NASCAR Street Race Festival. Today is the day you can kind of kick back, relax, hopefully have cold beverage, put something on the grill. Contemplate your summer plans, 312-981-7200. We'll talk to Dave Schwan a little bit later on in the program. He already shared some, some great Illinois ones, and we'll go to some other Midwest ones as well. But for those people that made their way to Chicago to experience history, right, for NASCAR, for racing, it had never happened before, and it all happened here in Chicago. Andy Mazur is our resident super sports expert, not <laughs> often doing the motorsports side, but no. just in general, as, as NASCAR and racing tries to add itself to the sports fabric of of Chicago, did they do it? You know, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of torn because you know, as a citizen of the city and trying to navigate my way through the city, you know, it's it's an inconvenience. <laughs> you know, it really, it really was. But watching the race, and again, as you point out, I'm I'm not huge into motorsports, but it was something to, to that kind of gravitated. To, I, I kind of gravitated over to it because of the way that they presented the city. I think they went a little over the top sometimes by you know saying how great and wonderful everything is. We know, we know that already, uh, but it was it was interesting just from the driver's perspective on how different a road course is, especially a road course in a major city where you're t- you're, you're making ninety degree turns in a car that you're normally going up upwards of uh, what two hundred miles an hour. They they can only go one can only go one fifty down down the straightaways, but then the intricacies of them shifting and it's just it was just amazing to watch how how you know nimble these drivers actually are yeah it was i mean it was interesting and i here's the thing is the contrast between the in person viewing and the people who experienced it on television and so you know, i will always say that you know motorsports you know to experience it in person you know the sights and the sounds the vibrations you know all of that is there's no real substitute for it this was a case where the best place to watch it of course we had a great venue at 610 you know right there on Michigan Avenue but if you were in front of your television you had a, a much different perception of what what it was and how it went than maybe if you were here in person but it, here's what was so great and i and i had it's so crazy that you say that and because you're like you're like well you know the traffic and everything yeah. everything's super <laughs> annoying right so but also you're jaded and cynical saying don't compliment us too much you know we know that so daryl waltrip asked me he's like dane is everybody super excited? You know, and he thought the the answer, the stock answer would be, well, of course, right? Let's say it was the Olympics coming. You know, it would be a 100%. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Daryl, I mean, yeah, everyone who's excited is excited. But a lot of the people who aren't necessarily, you know, daily communicants to the NASCAR world, all, you know, 50% of the stuff that we're getting is people crabby about, you know, road closures, right? Or traffic or, or weird things like potential smog or pollution or just yeah. the Speed Kills Foundation or something just protesting fastness. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm not the kind of person just to kind of dismiss things that I, I don't follow normally because I know that NASCAR and Indy Racing and, and, you know, we have Indy Racing here on the radio. Uh, we had some on Sunday. Uh, and I don't, I don't dismiss it. I just, I, I just didn't grow up watching it very often. But this had a draw, and I think you're right because I was at the TV station when this was going on uh, on Sunday, and Chris Bowden was out at the race, and we were talking to him about the perspective that he had versus the perspective that we had being able to watch it on TV, and he had a decent perspective. But the, the one thing he said, and I think the one thing that you need to do, because I, I actually have been to an NASCAR race, the one at uh, Chicago Motor Speedway back in '99. Uh, when I first started here at this oh radio station. Oh, my gosh. So you were there? Andy? I was there at that, that inaugural event, yes. That's a little bit of history because that that's not Chicago Land Speedway, right? That was the one that, that was... the was... one up by uh, by Midway. Yes. I think, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, I, I can appreciate what he said to me because he said, 
you never understand how fast these guys are actually going until you're right there watching it. And he had that great perspective from uh, you know from right around the the start finish line where the media was gathered, and having known how that sounds and how it uh, how it feels, and just to watch cars zoom around a racetrack, and you're thinking, okay, well they're making left turns for four hours, but yeah, they're doing it at two hundred and something miles an hour, and they're trying to avoid other cars and walls. <laughs> so I mean, there's a little skill to this whole thing, and the endurance factor is, is something that probably shouldn't go. Unnoticed. These guys are strapped into their cars. They can't get out of their car. Even when they go to pit road, they can't get out. <laughs> you can't say, I got to get a pit stop. Exactly. I'm going to run in and get a monster energy and maybe use the bathroom, right? No, none of that stuff of happens. And so much of this was new. So I think it was, it was mission accomplished if NASCAR feels super bad about the festival and you know all of the other kind of things that they tried to add to that weekend that just didn't happen and they'll have to come to terms with or or make amends to a lot of those fans that paid really a lot of dollars like this was a more expensive event than a typical nascar event and of course they offered more but none of those things actually happened so they'll they'll have to figure that out on the plus side you got to look at those ratings right so this was outside of the daytona 500 they had mission accomplished on getting people interested and what they saw was something different than they had ever seen and so that's one of the things i want to ask your your thoughts on this andy is just mm-hmm. they're thinking what is the impact of this there were a lot of inroads that they were making with the schools and the choirs in the city and, and to try to, to to get to be part of the community right and then to have people see racing with that city backdrop does yeah. it change the perception of nascar you know it, it does in some respects and it's unfortunate as you pointed out that not everything got to go off as it was planned because i think that that did detract a little bit from the experience that people were uh, were, were wanting because I'm, I'm sure there were some casual fans of racing that said okay i can go and watch the chain smokers i can do uh, do some festivals i can get eat some food here and then go watch a race uh and a lot of that didn't get to happen because of the weather but you know i i think that when you listen to what the drivers were saying, just about how cool it was to see skyscrapers on a on a NASCAR course that had never been done before, and you know the first time through is always the most difficult because you're you're trying to change people's perspective, uh, like those that are were, were crabby like me with uh, with the traffic and everything <laughs> like that. You're trying to you're trying to under, ha- help them understand what this is all about, and you know you're trying to set a precedence and try to set things the way you want them to go. Uh, in years to come. And it's unfortunate that the weather got in the way, but it, it was amazing to me, A, that they were able to race anything either of those two days. <laughs> right. And how those those uh, the, the, the uh, street dryers and whatever they did to, to, you know, to suck up all the extra water, how they were able just to, to get out there and just business as usual on a different kind of a course was absolutely amazing to me. And the fact that they raced of any kind. Uh, on Saturday or on Sunday was impressive. The drivers were super excited, too, not only because it had never happened before at the Cup Series level that there had never been a street race in uh, in Chicago, but for them personally, too. And, and it was a mystery to them. They had no idea because NASCAR had kept it close to the vest. None of them were allowed to, partly because they couldn't close off the streets to do any practice, so they had to yeah. do it in sort of a condensed uh, way. And so no one was able to really figure out exactly what would happen or how it would go, but to a person to a driver from the biggest drivers from like your Kevin Harvick's all the way down to people that came in just for this right Shane Van Ginsbergen from New Zealand came in racing supercars <laughs> and ended up winning 
everyone was so excited, not only for what it was, but to, to be in Chicago. They were all blown away by the beauty of Chicago. Not too many compliments. I don't want to give us too many, but mm-hmm. that was one pervasive theme is they're like, I didn't know Chicago was this beautiful. And for them to come in and be a part of it, they were super excited. So I hope the fans can forgive the weather and maybe yeah. give it another shot. I know that the, the viewers on TV did. They did. And the racers, they absolutely love it. So thanks, Andy. We're going to yep. take a quick break. When we come back, there was a lot of higher purpose things happening that wasn't on the track. Amber Medley from Inroads, they were in participating. We got a chance to talk with them. Keep it here. It's Dane on the 4th of July, 720 WGN. 720 WGN, high atop Chicago. Typically, it is the Skyline studio here uh, at the WGN studios. But now, of course, with the uh, NASCAR Chicago Street Race happening, so many different and really great vantage points to be able to see, experience, and enjoy the racing situation. None better than here at Venue 610. And uh, so much happening. Obviously, a lot of fun and excitement on the race watching, but also some higher purpose elements built in. And one is with inroads, right? We've got... Amber Medley, she's the National Director of Development for Inroads. Uh, Amber, welcome to WGN. Hi, thanks for having me. So one of the things that we're looking to do, because NASCAR here in Chicago is a thing that has never happened, right? A street race for the sport has never happened in the history of the sport. So a lot of new fits and a lot of new opportunities, some traditional and awesome like racing, right? It's big, it's bold, it's loud of all of those things. And some new conversations have been started to try to Look for ways that NASCAR and racing is relevant to a community, whether it's uh, that next generation of fans, whether it's that next generation of leaders, and Inroads is a part of that. So talk about why you guys, why here, why NASCAR? Exactly. Great question. Thank you for asking. We are honored uh, to be here this weekend and be a part of this great event. Uh, Our friends over at ERA Racing had a phenomenal vision. They wanted to be here and they wanted to engage with this community, not only for to leave a legacy and to leave an impact here. And we are working with them to do that through connecting local high school students to STEM immersion activities and even tying that into how it can relate to NASCAR and uh, motorsports. So leaving them with a little bit of a career immersion and STEM immersion that gives them a, a vision for what a career might look like. Well, STEM, we know it's important, right? We know it's important. It's essential, but it isn't always thought of as the most exciting thing, right? So talk a little bit about inroads and what it is that you guys do. Essential things bringing in, whether it's opportunities and diversity, not only for advancement and maybe careers that are maybe non-traditional for some of the people participating, but that leadership side. Yeah, we are a national leadership development organization that focuses on career pathways for diverse high school and college students. We also have a little bit of an impact in Canada and Mexico. And one of our largest and most popular programs is our College Links program. And that's what we're focusing on here this weekend. Those kids from ninth through 12th grade, the foundation of that program is getting them through high school and prepped for college and beginning with career immersion. We have a strong program here in Chicago serving almost 100 children, and we're going to grow that through recruitment uh, this weekend and into the future. Anytime you can build things that are kind of fun, kind of exciting, right? There can be those conversation starters for those elements that are foundational. Um, you're going to do it. And I was excited to see here at the venue, of course, you guys here, the students here, the presence here, but also the simulators, right? And to be able to bring in what e-racing does and kind of make that make sense. And so they're there having fun with the simulators and say, like, hey, this is science. 
Exactly. This is science. There is real career potential in a lot of things they're learning this weekend. We started back in May with a full-day career immersion activity with Jesse Awuji, where we worked with our partner STEM Lingo in one of their kits literally called In the Driver's Seat, learning to build and code a backup sensor for your car. So they did that one day with Jesse in the room and then also got to experience those simulators, which is something that they had never had the chance to do before. So they had great learning opportunities on that day. And now they're here this weekend showing off what they learned, showing off what they built and engaging the community in what uh, the other lessons are that they learned throughout the year and, and then spending some time on those simulators for sure. We're talking with uh, Amber Medley. She's the National Director of development for inroads and when you think about this it's one thing to be and everyone gets to see the driver right they're racing they're driving they're winning they're doing all that but the world of motorsports has so many layers so many things behind the scene that make it all happen right and a lot of those are leadership and, and you look at even jesse and his group you've got jesse you've got emmett smith jesse is a driver but also a team owner and all of those things that go into place in motorsports on the business side lots of opportunities lots of opportunities for diverse leaders in a lot of different roles in racing absolutely Inroads focuses on any and all careers but a large part of our of our students are interested in business entrepreneurship or STEM. Our largest focus is on STEM, and particularly women in STEM in a lot of areas of the country. So to have these kids out here focused on STEM in a fun and engaging way moves our mission forward and keeps those kids engaged. And we're thrilled to provide them with exposure to all these different sorts of careers that can be developed that involve STEM and are actually high-paying, financially sustainable careers. Yeah, and and it's kind of meeting people where they are, and motorsports is looking for more diversity. There are so many more opportunities on that side, specifically women in motorsports. There's a lot of initiatives happening, not only in NASCAR, but IndyCar and others. That uh, So the opportunities are there, and you're just helping to prep and kind of direct the people, you know, your students, to kind of go there and get where there's a lot of reception ready to go for those in the, in those careers. So, Amber, obviously in Chicago, a lot happening here. The organization is here. We're talking to you here. But you guys are a national organization active in a, in a bunch of cities around the country. Absolutely. And College Links is our fastest growing and most popular program, not only with the community, but with our funders and supporters as well. We're in currently 15 different cities across the country, and we're going to be in 25 in the next 18 to 24 months. Now, certainly this kind of situation need for these opportunities is probably pretty universal. There's a lot of places that could be there. You guys as an organization that probably, you know, need support is working and growing and trying to do as much as you can. You can't necessarily be everywhere. Do you look at it like, okay, well, this is a city based on our demographics or research that could really benefit from it? Or does the cities themselves say inroads, you come help us? That is a great question. And both. The answer is both. But we are honored when an organization, local organization or corporation comes to us and say, our neighborhood, our community needs you. And when that happens, we answer that call and we prioritize that call. So when it comes into maybe people or companies that are working in a community or companies that maybe have a place that they want to go or they know that there's maybe a a base of, of potential there, do they get with you guys and say, well, we know what it is that we do. We know we want to be more responsive and inclusive we want you know diverse leaders in there, but this is your business, Inroads. This is your expertise where they'll call you and say, can you help us sort of either navigate that or, or coordinate? 
So the wonderful thing about College Links is that it operates like a grassroots organization. And what I mean by that is it is supported by a national organization, but we get to know the specific needs of the individual communities. And we do that by speaking to the people in the community, the corporations that want to partner with us in those communities, and we really learn what the need is. And then we go into that community with those with those needs in mind. So we will develop individual programs based on how to best serve those scholars. And we do that by engaging the school systems, the mayor's office, the corporations, and the other nonprofit organizations to make sure we're providing really holistic focused and customized programs to, to students. I could see it where let's say there's a big corporation that may approach you guys individually or maybe hears this and gets word of some of the things that are happening but I could also see it from the community angle too. Like let's say let's say the mayor, they have maybe a, a responsive business community but they're, you know, maybe it's not just one that would be doing it and you can get them all together, right? Maybe sort of you know, chamber of commerce kind of situation. Absolutely. The most powerful situation is when all of those institutions come together to form a partnership and they bring all their perspectives and all of their resources. We are a true team working together to, to launch and deliver the program, to grow the program and to serve those, like I said, customized needs of the scholars. So as we let you go, information on inroads, like how do people get more information? How do they get involved? If let's say people are hearing this and saying, this is for me, I'd like to participate. Where can they go? inroads.org. You will see information there on our College Links program that links you directly to the program here in Chicago. Reach out. We are excited to talk to any and everybody. Amber Medley, thanks so much for everything you're doing, shaping that next generation, providing opportunities, working with motorsports, and thanks for jumping on the show today. Thank you.